Welcome to the Epicenter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Epicenter Church, visit epicenterchurch.com.au. Thank you, Rob. So I, uh, <clears throat> when my dad died, he left me with a Bible, great big Bible, it's too heavy to bring in, but in it I found there was a, a whole list of jokes. I was going to bring it in and have a few jokes. Might have cut my sermon short. <clears throat> but I've forgotten it. I'm just trying to remember some of the jokes. Um, what, what was Boaz before he met Ruth? What was Boaz before he met Ruth? Ruthless. Give him a lolly. Um, what, motor car, what motor car is named in the Bible? No, well, it may be Triumph was. No, there's another one. In, in, Acts, in Acts, it says that the disciples were all in one accord. It's a Honda. <laughs> yeah. So I can't remember the others, but there's, there's a whole list of them. That's a good thing, yes. That's a good thing. So, so before, I, before I start preaching, let's just pray for me and pray for you because uh, sometimes I get accused of heresy and things like that. And uh, so it would be good if we prayed, prayed for me and you before we start. Does that be all right? There you heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can come together here as a family, a church family, that we can encourage each other. And we just pray that, you would, uh, that we, would, we would just lay down our ego and our pride and we'd open our hearts and we just ask you, Father, to minister to us and to teach us your wisdom from your word. In, and we just pray that I would preach not a heresy. Thank you in Jesus' name. And, uh, so, so if I say things to you tonight that you're not sure of, when God made human beings, he created us with a little box in our brain here It's called AFL, which means awaiting further light. So if I say something you don't understand, just put it in that little box there and God may reveal that to you a little bit later on when you're on the way home or perhaps next year or something like that. Um, so there's just a couple of uh, readings I want to... Rob told me I had to uh, work to pray, uh, preach from and... One of them, so I want to talk to you about growth and about uh, being mentored. Um, and there's two, two verses there. How are you going there, Will? Have you, would you have them on the, up there? One is in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, I really want to focus on. Here is a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a, a noble task. Now an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. He must manage his family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. Um, that's not on the board. Uh, what was the other one I gave you, Will? I've got another one I wanted to read too. I think that was in Timothy. What was it? What's up there? Oh, yeah, right. 
So mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. It's pretty harsh, that one, isn't it? I don't want to talk too much about that one, but I just want to refer to it sometimes when I'm um, talking about this first one. So, um, you're a leader... And it's a good thing to want to be a leader. You're a leader if someone's following you. And that <clears throat> some of those words there, uh, a doctor, uh, Pastor Andrew Drummond came to this church a little while ago. You might have been here uh, when he preached. And he came here and he said the Holy Spirit told him to come to Epicenter and to tell us that we need to grow up. I thought that was pretty harsh. And um, thanks, Jeff. Um, and probably uh, most of you are younger than me, and so you're probably wondering what do you need to do to grow up? How do you grow up? And I just want to talk on a little bit about that. It won't help you grow up. It won't make you grow up, but it'll show you the signpost to how how we how we go about that. Because um, we have a vision. God has given us a vision here, and. Uh, he now wants us to do some things to be put in a position so that we can achieve what he's given us to, the vision that he's given to us. And um, so uh, when, when Andrew Drummond came here, he said the Holy Spirit spoke to him and told him to give that message to us to grow up. Now he was either lying or he was telling the truth. And I guess you've got to figure that one out for yourself. And I thought it was a pretty harsh message, almost rude, telling us we need to grow up. But maybe the Holy Spirit was trying to be really direct to us um, because it was time that we, we did some things to fulfil what God wants us to do. Um, so, those, so what I want to talk a little bit about to start with is um, in our life we start off with what we call the first part of life. And the first part of life is, is where we develop secure boundaries, things that will hold, references that will hold us in a secure place as, as we live, go through our life. Um, our culture values things like um, law, uh, tradition, custom, authority, boundaries and morality. These containers give us the necessary security, the predictability, the impulse control, and examples, the structure that we need to lead healthy lives. And it's very necessary that we have some sort of a structure to have, we have all those, those, those um, things to, that we can live safely in. So we need a strong container to hold the contents and the contradictions that arrive later in our life. Now, we also need a very strong ego structure so that later on we can let go of our ego. That's an important part of growing up. Jesus calls us to die to self. And he's talking about our ego. Our ego is very selfish. 
if you stay in the protected first half of life, you become an adult infant. And most people in the world would be first, in first part of life. And I'll just describe a little bit more about that as we go through it. Um, so <clears throat> you, learn, you learn how to recover from falling by falling. Uh, when you have a, a, one of our grandkids here and they get to about a year old and they start to walk, when they fall over, we, just don't, we don't say to them, well, just stop trying to walk if it's fallen over. It's best if you don't walk. Well, we know if they keep falling over, they'll learn to stand. You know, if you get on a bike, you get your little kids on a bike and they start the pedal, what do they do? They overbalance and they crash. But if, but if they keep trying at it, by overbalancing, you learn, and by falling, you learn to balance the bike and then next thing you can, you can take the bike wherever you like. All right, so it's... In life, we need to fall. We do fall. When we, do, when we live life, we do fall. And it's in falling that we, we learn to stand up. Um, and I've, tr I've particularly tried not to protect my children from falling. And so in the pain that comes from that, they've learned to stand. And I'm not sure they figured that out yet. Um, so when a skater skates... They skate to the left and to the right so that they can go in a straight direction. And, and sometimes that's what we've got to do in life. Um, people who don't allow themselves to fall are actually off balance, but they don't actually know about it. And uh, it's by falling that we move from the first part of life to the second part of life. In the second part of life, we tend to deconstruct those very things that we've built for our protection in the first part of life. Now, this is a little bit low. Uh, Rob, can you put that up for me? That'd be really good. Did you hear that coaching just then? Right. So, the disciples, Jesus had 12 disciples. They were in the first part of life before Jesus Christ died. They talked about who was the greatest and stuff like that. That was important and that was their ego. Once the tragedy happened and Jesus died, if you read what, their, what they wrote, they moved very quickly to the second part of life. They weren't interested in who was the greatest after that. And once they moved to the second part of life, they changed the world. Now, maturing is painful. And it's uncomfortable and we only grow because circumstances force us to grow. We usually, um, we usually don't volunteer for growth because it's painful. Um, now, I just want to encourage you that mentoring really helps you move through first part of life to second part of life. It's a really, it's a really good idea. In, uh, in first part of life... We rush into judgment. We demand a complete resolution to things before we have learned what they are, have to teach us. And that's not necessarily a wise thing. Usually when you don't learn the lesson, the clock has to go around one more time and that same thing will happen to you again and again and again until you learn the lesson. It's not a good idea to rush in and, and want a, a resolution very quickly. 
God has given us visions. That's where they come from. Proverbs says, a man makes his plans, but God directs his steps. So it's very important to look to the vision, the things that God has put in your heart, the things that you would like to do. That's God put them there. And it's very important for you then to plan out how to make those things happen. And in doing that, you will fall. Sometimes you will fall. You never skate straight through to success. And in falling, you learn to get back up and you grow every time you fall. You need to praise God every time something difficult, something bad happens to you because there's a chance for you to grow. If you don't fall, you don't grow. So a vision without a date is a fantasy. So you need to put dates on the visions that God has put in your heart. Then you'll have to get to work to plan out how you're going to help get that to work by that set date. And then when you, if you fail to achieve that, then you're going to have to reset. You don't forfeit the vision. You reset the goal. No goals equals no life. If you have no goals in your life, you will not fall, you will not grow, you will have no life. You will just have a boring, wasted life. Um, God gives us in the Bible the story of the talents. And he, he says the guy that buried his talents, that took no risk, sinned. It is a sin to take no risk, not to use. God has given each one of you gifts and abilities and visions. And not to use them and, and to follow them is a sin. To, <clears throat> to navigate the pain in following your vision that God has for our life, it is really smart to be mentored. It takes humility to be mentored. In business in the past, I've been mentored, I've, and so I would tell the people in my business that I've, I'm a man under authority. Well, they were very happy to take my advice because they knew I was taking someone else's advice, and the person's advice that I was taking was taking someone else's advice. It's a self-checking mechanism. It stops us being fanatical, uh, an extreme in either side of the, of the spectrum. So you should, we should really uh, look for mentors. First part of life, uh, you like titles. In the first part of life, that's where we really like to get titles. We like position, we like power, and we like perks. That's a part of first part of life. Paul addresses the elders when he writes a lot of his epistles. He never addresses the elder. That's always the elders. And, and the, uh, the New Testament church was always run like that by elders. Once they converted the, the, uh, the Roman Catholic, the, uh, the government that it took over the world, the, uh, the, the Roman, um, the Italian government, they changed it to, brought it to become a state religion and it there was bishops and popes and all sorts of things. All of a sudden the authority went from that way to that way. God's way is that way. And once there's, it goes that way, there's ambition and, and selfishness comes in. A lot of issues happen. But the New Testament church was always that way. There still must be leaders. But that's, there's two different ways of doing it. First part of life is a raft that takes you to the second part of life. Now, religious organisations like churches and corporations, businesses, by nature, tend to be and have to be first part of life, 
places. They have to operate with control, otherwise they will fail. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's a better place where you can mature to. So without power and control, the institutions will fail. So first part of life is like discovering the script. And the second part of life is actually writing it and owning it. Now, in Luke chapter 15, verse 25 to 32, we have the story of the prodigal son. And if you look at the eldest son there, you'll see his very loyalty to mediocrity, uh, to meritocracy, like merit. He was doing things to earn favour. To his own entitlement, to obedience and loyalty to his father, kept him from the celebration his father had prepared, even though his father begged him to come to the feast and celebrate the return of the younger son. He took offence. That's the first part of life thing. People take offence. The Pharisee, so in, in the story of the prodigal son, the, the second son, we'll talk about that in a second. So in, the, in Luke 18, verse 9 to 14, the Pharisee and the tax collector are in the temple praying. One was a loyal, observant and, and, deemed, and was deemed wrong by Jesus Christ and the other had not obeyed the law yet was right with God. So we have this idea that we can get merit and favour with God by working and doing things. And Jesus, both the eldest son and the Pharisee, are good, loyal, religious soldiers, exactly what most of us in church hold to, hold to be. Yet Jesus Christ says both of them missed the point. First part of life, rules give dignity, identity, direction, significance and boundaries, and they're necessary and good. But they, there's an inner voice comes from those things, and it gives us so much security and validation that you confuse this inner voice. Often we can confuse this inner voice with the very voice of God. First part of life solidifies and strengthens the ego. Second part of life defeats the ego. No wonder few people want to let go and have the faith to grow up. The ego hates losing, even to God. We must change and become if we are to have all that God has for us to achieve in this life. We must change. If you keep stay, saying this, if you keep... Staying the same, you'll keep getting the same. And the story of the talents is a case in point. Um, so we will find many more Aaron's building us golden calves than we will find Moses's leading us onto the ex in the Exodus to the Promised Land. There's plenty of idols around. We all have idols. I was at work. Um, the other day, one of the guys in our link was there. I was working with him in one of the links. He doesn't come here very often. And uh, I was talking to him about um, some of the signs in the sky which indicate the return of Christ is not far away. And, and he said, oh, jeez, he said, I'd better get rid of some of the idols I've got in my life. I thought that was a very honest statement. 
a lot of people carry a lot of idols these days. Always, always humans always have. So if you find find a mentor to help you on the journey is really, really important. Mentors guide you. They don't run your life. They're just a guide. So, so life is a journey and, and setting out requires faith. And that faith means that there's a risk. And it also means that life is an adventure. The familiar and habitual are so falsely reassuring that most people make their homes there permanently. And we can't do that if we want to grow. We'll have to take on the unfamiliar. We'll take, have to take risks. Scott Peck wrote a book called The Road Less Travelled. In that he said that most Western people are spiritually lazy. Now he said that, I didn't. When we are lazy, we stay on the, on the path we are already on, even if it's going nowhere. We can't achieve our vision by staying the same. The second law, I discovered the second law of thermodynamics uh, when, I, when I tried to figure out whether the Bible was true or false. And uh, I thought I'd start at the beginning with the creation story and uh, I discovered the second law of thermodynamics says that everything in life, in the universe, breaks down and becomes simpler and less energetic. And there's no exception to that law. That's why it's called the law, second law of thermodynamics. And, uh, and then, of course, I discovered uh, theory of evolution, which said it went the other way and broke the law. The scientists never talk about that, but it can't happen because the second law of thermodynamics says everything breaks down. This building will break down. Your body breaks down. Those chairs will break down. Everything breaks down. The sun will end up running out of fuel. And uh, so our spiritual life is, a bit, is, is affected the same as, as, as the universe if we don't fan the flames, our spiritual life will, will get less energetic and fade away. And focusing on the vision that God has given you in your life fans your spiritual life. It overcomes that. And that's why God has given us a, a vision as a church. Um, so there's two, two groups of people that are very good at trying to avoid the humiliation of going down, Jesus said. Now, I haven't got the verses, but the very rich and the very religious are the two groups that try and avoid at all costs going down. They steer their own ship. They have their own ego and their own itinerary. So the, the human ego prefers anything, just about anything, to falling or changing or dying. So in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus talks about dying to self. Ego is that part of us that loves the status quo, even when it's not working. To, to grow, we need to let go of our ego, take it out of control of our life. Ego is very much about ourselves, about self, self-serving. So in uh, Mark Chapter 9, verse 33, the disciples said to Jesus, who is the greatest? That's the first part of life language. And he answered them, he took a child, and he answered them and he said, the last, the servant of all. 
is the greatest. Now that's, um, that sounds like double talk. Paul, and he, he's talking second part of life. They're talking first part. It sounds like double speak. Paul taught, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's a really unwelcome message, isn't it? People don't want to hear that. When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. And that's, that's Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 10. First part of life solidifies and strengthens the ego. Second part of life defeats the ego. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, when you were young, and then he says, it goes on a little bit later, he says, Peter, when you are old, in John 21, chapter 21, verse 18, it's only when you've begun to live in the second part of life can you see the difference between the two. I'm trying to share with you today so you've got a, a bit of clarity about where we've got to go. Yet the two halves are cumulative, they're sequential and they're both very necessary. It's not wrong if you're in the first part of life, but there's somewhere else to go. You cannot take a non-stop flight to the second part of life. So the, the trick is to, light, to ride light in the saddle, appreciate the other, other person's point of view. Um, First part of life, we tend to be dualistic. So you're either right or wrong. It's this or it's that. And when you, as you go into your second part of life, you become more pluralistic, um, where you, you realise that there's people in the, in the body of Christ in all denominations in other churches. It's not our church is right and the others are wrong. And I've heard preachers say that, that they're right and others are wrong, and condemn other churches, which are part of the body of Christ. That's not kingdom speak. That's first part of language, first part of life talk, and it's not right. You, and we will be profoundly wrong when we get to heaven. We'll see some people that we didn't expect to see in heaven. I, I was talking the other day at work to a, a guy. He's actually a, a, a Jehovah's Witness guy, and he's a, a missionary and I was talking to him, and he's quoting the same verses in the Bible I quote. Everything that I was saying, he was saying. And I said to him, us Protestants, we're really afraid of you guys because we don't know what you stand for. But he was reading the same Bible I was reading. You know, we get this, I'm right and you're wrong stuff. That's, that's, not, a, that's not a good way to live. And it's a first part of life thing. Um, the value in life is the relationships that you have and if you think that you're right and everyone else is wrong all unhappiness comes from comparisons and when you think like that that means that you're superior and someone else is inferior and neither of those two things are good all unhappiness comes from comparisons we first have to have an ego structure to then be able to let go of it, to move beyond it. It's, we've got to have a good structure in the first part of life to build our ego. Jesus Christ said about John the Baptist, no man born of woman is greater than John the Baptist. And then he added, yet the least who enters the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. 
yet the least is greater than he. That's in Mark 11, 11. That's not double talk, that's the second part of life talk. If you ever read uh, in Matthew's Gospel the um, Sermon on the Mount, you've probably got very confused. That's the second part of life talk. That's why you're confused. It's all talking about being lower, being, being better. So, uh, it, in the Bible, it's constantly saying, do not be afraid. Have you ever read that? Fear not, do not be afraid. Have you ever added up how many times it said that? 365 times. That's every day, do not be afraid. 365 times. So, to change and go from first part of life to second part of life, that is scary because you haven't been there, you haven't fallen, so you're not able to go up, and it's very scary. And the Bible keeps saying, do not be afraid. You've got to be brave to move on. Human maturity is neither offensive nor defensive. It's able to accept that reality is what it is. So if you're constantly defending yourself, you're in first part of life. If you're constantly offending people, you're in first part of life. When you mature, you'll stop doing that. It really helps us have a unity when we're all um, not being offensive and not being defensive. When, if someone says something to you, you know, John O said something to me the other day, and I thought, well, that's a bit rude. But I, I knew he was well-bred and he was brought up well and he wasn't being rude. And I thought, well, it crossed, crossed my mind, it crossed my mind that you could be right. And I, I think I said to him, I didn't know that. He said, well, why don't you know that? I said, well, I've been that way for 63 years. But I said... I'm going to go and talk to Rob about that and see what he says. And if, if that's correct, I'm going to change so for the next 63 years I'll be better. But that's why you need a mentor because you can't judge yourself. You've been the way you are forever. And you've got no idea how rude you are or whatever. And I haven't, I haven't taken him out of the will because he said that, whatever he said. <laughs> but it's, it's good... It's good to have prickly people around you because they'll say things and instead of getting offended, you need to listen to... Yeah, he's prickly. Jesse's prickly too. I don't know why I've got such... I'm, the kids are so well-bred but they're so prickly. Libby's just rude. Yeah, best of luck, Tyler. <laughs> I know what you're going through. And uh, so... Um, yeah, I haven't started on you, Miss Australia. So, look, it's really important when someone says something to you and you think, oh, don't take offence, have a think about it and investigate it and be prepared to change and grow. And... Uh, So, um, so we can only see, we can only understand and see the earlier stages from the wider perspective of the later stages, and that's why society um, has always been led by elders in all our cultures, because 
at the end you can see a lot more, a lot wider perspective. Jesus, the Jew, criticizes his own religion the most, yet he never leaves it. Mature people are not either or. Right? They're all, they're rather both and. And that's a, a much better way to be, to, to grow to. From our own level of individual development, we can only stretch to comprehend people a bit beyond ourselves. That's, only, that's a, all the capability we've got. Some experts say we cannot stretch more than one level above our own level of consciousness. Because of this limitation, those at a higher level beyond us appear to be wrong, sinful, heretical, dangerous or worthy of elimination. That's how we look at them from first part of life. If you read the book on uh, Fox's books on the martyrs, you'll see uh, well, Jesus Christ was martyred because he spoke different to what the Pharisees believed. So they put him on the cross. Then Stephen um, spoke about the gospel and they, they stoned him. And so on and on it goes. Then the Catholic Church rises up as an institution. In 1209, Pope Innocent III burns anyone who preaches from the Bible to the, on, burns them at the stake. 1231, Pope Gregory IX, he burns a whole lot more and so it goes on and on and on. Thousands of people get burnt, go to, the cro- go to the stake being burnt, praising God, raising their hands, praising God, forgiving their executioners. And every time they burned one, 10,000 people believed. So, the church, so off it went. And, and then the Anglican church takes over. And then, then people went to America and they, they um, persecuted them there as well. It never stops. Uh, Cornupicus was a, an astronomer, I think an Austrian astronomer, and he said, he made a ridiculous statement. He said, this, the earth goes around the sun. And the Pope said, if you don't recant that, you're gonna, we're going to burn you on, at a stake. He said, the Roman Catholic Church says, the sun goes around the earth. And if you look at the sun, in the morning it starts in the east, it goes around and it goes to the west. It sets in the west every day. It's obvious. The facts are that the sun is going around the earth. You can see it. But Cornupicus said, no, it's the earth going around the sun. So what you need to understand in life is people will prove lots of things to you with facts. So when someone says to me the facts are, I always say, but the truth is. The facts can prove anything, but the truth is often quite different. So the truth was that the earth was actually going around the sun, but the facts were, showed that the uh, sun was going around the earth. Um, uh, Christopher Columbus was actually a missionary. He was sailing to, he wanted to sail west to the Indians in, in, in America and evangelise them. And before he left, the king of Spain said, hold on, we'll get the best brains together in Europe and we'll do a royal commission and we'll find out what the best brains in Europe, the scientists say will happen if you sail west. And after a year, it took them a year, they came back to the king of Spain, they said if Christopher Columbus sails to the west he'll fall off the edge. 
And throughout history, science has always come up with facts to prove what is right. But the truth is, they've been wrong many, many times. And you'll know today there's some things they're saying. It's the same over and over again. So the first part of life, the lesson is they cannot tolerate diversity of opinion. If, you're, if you speak something different to what is main, mainly accepted by people, they'll want to burn you at the stake. They'll eliminate you or they'll think that you're evil or a heretic. And uh, I just hope I don't get dragged outside and stoned when I finish. Um, but it's great, it's great to know that they called Jesus a heretic and, the, and they justified eliminating him. If change and growth are not programmed into our spirituality, if there's not serious warnings about the blinding nature of fear and fanaticism, our religion will always end up worshipping the status quo and protecting our present ego, our position and our personal advantage, as if it were God. Jesus' first message was clearly to change in Matthew 4.17 and Mark 1.15 where he told his listeners to repent, which means change your mind. It did not strongly influence Christian history. The resistance to change from Christian people is so common because they tend to love the past and the present more than they love the future. Christians resist it fiercely. Organised religion in itself is inside first part of life issues. That's where, which is where most people are. Sin happens. Uh, St. Gregory of Nyssa in the 4th century said, sin happens whenever we refuse to keep growing. So Andrew Drummond came here to us last year or whenever it was, and he said, we need to grow up. We need to move from where we are to somewhere else as individuals so we can fulfil the vision that we keep putting up on that screen. That's a hard thing, what he said. But he told, he told us that the Holy Spirit told him to speak that to us. And if God has told him to tell us to grow up, we need to figure out whether we're going to be obedient or not. And so I've tried to show you today that there's a first part of life where we live, but there's a second part of life that we need to travel to. And it's a process and it takes time and it's good if we come here as a church family and encourage each other as we try to get to that point because it's not easy. So we come to church. Um, what do you come to church for? Well, we come to church maybe sometimes to get fed. But leaders are self-feeders. They go home and they feed themselves every day. So you'll have... Um, this, I did an interesting thing one day I took a, a sheet of paper one of these books and I recorded everything I did for a week you've got 168 hours this week coming up starts tomorrow record how much time how many hours you sleep how many hours that you use eating how many hours that you do everything and you'll, you'll find out there's all this time that you spend entertaining yourself you're not growing, you're entertaining yourself. And you've got a lot, you'll find a lot of time that you... I don't know what I did there. 
But God gives you time, which is a gift, which you need to use, because at the end of time, God's going to say, well, what did you do with the gift that I gave you? What about the vision that I gave you? You had the ability to be change and become, so you could have those things that I put in your life. So, so we have to figure out whether we're going to obey or disobey. But God is calling us as a church, as a people, to grow. And the best way to grow is for us to encourage each other. I feel really good when people encourage me. I don't know how you feel. We, we grow a lot better when we're being encouraged, don't we? And so that's why we come together as a church body for fellowship, for encouragement. And sometimes we'll get fed, but that's not really that important whether we get fed here or not because if we're committed to growing, we'll go home and feed ourselves. We'll come back here for fellowship. We can't have fellowship at home because we can't all fit in my home or your home. We come here. That's what church is about. And giving testimonies and encouraging each other about what God is doing in their life. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Please subscribe to hear more sermons from Epicenter Church. 